from what I know about you is that you're all about equality. Yep. So then where do you slide feminism into that sort of equation? Well, to me, fe- feminism is about equality regardless of gender. Okay. And See, sex. I'm just saying, people yep. get that sort of confused. They do. And, and at the end of the day, there's been a lot of work, and again, the same white supremacist type of people that want women to get back in the kitchen, they actually do a lot of work to divide feminist groups and set them against each other. And and that's what the trolley dolly thing was actually all about, was about the Murdoch press wanting to set a woman who was a professed feminist up as someone who didn't value um, women that did... um, you know, less at work crew. in their eyes. But I, yeah. I didn't say that. I just wanted them to treat me equally as the men that get on their planes. And I'm not, and the people, the people that usually didn't call me doctor weren't the female yeah. flight attendants. It was the male flight attendants that would call me missus. After looking down at my ticket. Plane, yeah, if you and I got on a plane, we both had PhDs or whatever. Both yeah, had, and we both had doctor written on our. Yeah, even if I looked the way I look now. They would call you doctor. Without a doubt. But with you. They'd be, probably stuff up the surname. <laughs> <laughs> Not gonna lie, um, but but then but I have had it happen to me, and my friends have had it. It's a real problem. You're with the worst women. man. <laughs> I'm so white. I'm painfully white. Should say, my Aboriginal friends are always like, "Oh my god, you're so white." I'm like, "I oh know. I'm so sorry. I, I I was brought up by racist bogans. It's really hard for me to overcome this. I've been trying every day, but it's really it slips out sometimes." Okay, so more on that as far as where you feel equality, the argument for equality, and then the argument for feminism, where they sort of yeah. Well, sit. I mean, I I've got to the point where my feminism now is all about intersectionality, and it's about really understanding that there's actually levels of sort of, uh, you know, um, some people call it the, the oppression Olympics. Okay. Um, and I do have lots of, and because I'm in this space, it is quite fraught and there is a lot of people that accuse you of being racist, sexist, what have you. And if you put yourself out there as, a, as an ally, you're putting yourself out there as someone who is rightfully going to be attacked. And I absolutely say that. And there's, there's several people that would say, yep, she's a racist bitch. Um but, you know, it's, it's hard. But then I say to them, well, you're, you don't even think I'm disabled, don't you? You know, it's, it's that kind of tit for tat. Well, I've got an invisible disability. So you actually don't believe that I'm disabled and you think I'm just using that label yeah. to actually, um, garner some kind of kudos. And that's not actually true. And it's, and to become, to, to start to identify as a disabled person after the age of 40, it's been a long journey and it's taken me sort of 18 months sitting on my couch being literally debilitated by mental health issues for me to really fully understand that, yes, I am disabled and I need to accommodate in my own life for that as well as ask others to accommodate my disabilities. Yeah, I remember a lot of our early conversations was basically me just saying, man, can you get some rest? Like, seriously? <laughs> I don't think either of us sleep, to be fair. Neither yeah. of us. We all have to have drugs to sleep. <laughs> Literally. And, you know, my drug of choice is often Prosecco. <laughs> well, I can see it. It just takes a sip. <laughs> <laughs> Why isn't there any straws in this place? <laughs> all right, I'll get some straws based on your I'm disabled. Profession. I need to straws. Uh, uh, fine. I'm assuming you're going to be back on here at some point. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, I'm going to be get... drinking the rest of the Prosecco that I just <laughs> left in the fridge. <laughs> okay, okay. Shh, don't tell the landlord. Okay. 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 Actually, can I ask you a question? Yep. I, I don't think I've ever actually asked you this. How the fuck did you end up having your photo taken with politicians? Pauline Hanson? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but, but, okay. I had had a few drinks. You know okay. What? Might have been that. a dare. I'm going to use that that photo as the... Uh, oh, no, come the, on. What about no, no, Malcolm no. Turnbull sneering at me? Give me? I haven't got that one. I'll, I've I'll got, send it to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. 
Basically, so let's talk about the fact that Malcolm Turnbull is also out of a job. Ma- it's not just us, dude. It's the last prime minister. Although he's a multi-millionaire, so he's probably going to be okay. His wife's on Mel- a Mel's profile photo, uh, like avatar photo, in my contact in, in my contacts in my phone is of her and Pauline Hanson. This is selfie. <laughs> <laughs> <Ow>. <laughs> You pay enough money to go to Canberra, you can get a selfie with Pauline okay. Hanson so how, at, at a gala dinner. How did? Yeah, I was going to say, how did you end up? Uh, okay, these conferences. That was are, a work. That was a work conference. I had to go and schmooze stakeholders in Canberra because that was my job. In order to what? Just raise funding for? No, to 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 basically um, try and form collaborations between different groups. And so I would have to go to the conferences where all the different groups were represented to get to know the people and offer the ser- my services as someone that could facilitate these um, collaborations. And one of those events was Science Meets Parliament, which I went to a couple of times. Um, and the first time I w- went to Science Meets Parliament, I was actually allocated Malcolm Turnbull as my parliamentarian. And he was Prime Minister at that point. So I actually had to go. Oh, so like a buddy, like when you rock up. Yeah, yeah. You you, you got paired up. Like, so I thought I was going to get some sort of backbencher from Tasmania that no one... You didn't know who you were going to get? No. So you rocked up. It's like... No, no, no. no. They they sent you... They sent you the... um, They sent you your match a week before the conference. And I was just like, oh, my God. I've been matched with the Prime Minister. Oh, my God. (laughs) Shit. <laughs> and so then my comms people were just like, oh, my God, we're going to have to get like, you know, they were... They were it was easily out. the biggest fish in the pond there, yeah? Well, he, well he's the Prime I Minister. I mean, he's the Prime Minister. You can't get any bigger than the that, Prime Minister ju- yeah, in but, Parliament. No, you can. He's the Prime you know Minister. Do you know he's bigger than the Prime Minister? Who? Eddie Maguire, Burt Newton. Bullshit. <laughs> Wayne Carey. Fuck off. <laughs> Fucking Wayne Carey. I'm just saying. Don't get me started on Wayne Carey again. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm not taking the piss. I, I actually feel... Cause you asked, no, I'm talking about at Parliament, okay? In Parliament House, no. the biggest fish in the room is the Prime Minister. No, I reckon if uh, Wayne Carey walked into that room, he'd get a bigger reception. Nah, no one would recognise him. Not the people I was hanging out with. Maybe some of the older guys, but no, no one would recognise him. Oh, maybe not Wayne Carey, but yeah, someone in media anyway. Not really. You they wouldn't care. These people have all got, you know, Orders of Australia and shit or Nobel Prizes. Like, they just, you know. But most sports stars just are not even on their radar. But I I said this to someone, um, when, uh, what's it called? When I was, I applied for that broadcasting role the other day. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it was even me applying for the broadcasting role. It was just a, a demo tape to broadcasting. Yep. And they said, who are your favourite um, media personalities? And I instantly named Bill Maher and Stephen Colbert, the American talk show uh, mm. hosts. They're both comedians with political... Um, not even agenda, but just political leanings as far as their comedy goes. And I said the reason why I name them is because they're intelligent, they're well thought out, they have a sense of humour, but they still put across like progressive sort of opinions. And they start that conversation. I can't name any Australian... Sean McAuliffe? Yeah, actually he's alright. Yeah, see, I, I quite like Sean McAuliffe. I like, I like him. I, I saw like him in the, a play a couple of years ago. I like the chasers when they were doing their stuff. But... The reason why I can't. But they've all name become the they're, they're chasers. They're, they're, what's that guy from the chaser who's now? He did the straw ban, so he lost me. He lost me <laughs> with the straw ban. I've got no idea. I like the checkout TV. That was uh, good. Other than the fact because I don't actually watch TV regularly, the yeah, biggest yeah. reason is because in Australia we have a tendency to rely on re- rehashing and recycling yep. soapy stars, reality TV well, shows. Well, that's why you just sports stars. I, I don't watch television yeah. pretty much at all. Um, the only. 
comedy stuff usually comes across my radar if it's come from the ABC or the SBS. Yeah, yeah. And usually they've had to, they've, they're sort of YouTube stars they've discovered and then given them actual programs before I've actually, yeah. you know, like what's that one, the um, Get Kraken or whatever it was. Yeah, I don't know. No, I like them because they, they did a really good episode on disability. Um, they, they're sort of ones that took the piss out of the sunrise. Anyway, that's why I was saying it before. <laughs> in that fucking room, the biggest fish wouldn't be Malcolm Turnbull because no one well, would Well, he didn't come to the gala dinner. And everybody, no, no, no. What's his name? Um, uh, Bill Shorten did as the uh, deputy leader of the opposition. But did you no, speak Malcolm to him? Didn't. Do I speak but, to who? No, did you speak to Bill Shorten? No. You didn't? No, no, because he had to run away last time because <laughs> it was like the day before Valentine's Day and he had to go out with the lovely, um, uh, oh, yeah, um, what's her, yeah, I whatever her name is. Okay. The Governor General's um, daughter. Okay, so you're there hobnobbing with these politicians. This is based yeah, yeah. purely on that conference because it was a science meets. Yeah, yeah, and I've been parliament. to a couple of those. And hobnobbed with various, you know, politicians. And in fact, I walked in with Richard Miles and he introduced me to the um, then um, uh, the senior diplomat from Great Britain. So the, the High Commissioner wow. in Canberra. So she was like the ambassador to Australia. And so he, there's a picture of me somewhere on a photo reel <laughs> in Canberra <laughs> of me looking very glamorous standing next to Richard Miles. And uh, Mina, at that point, she's gone back now. She was a lovely woman. Okay, so you're doing all these conferences and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Okay. On the flip, like outside of that. Totally not using any of my science. <laughs> all the skills that I was using in those conferences, basically I learnt when I was working part-time as a car salesman on a Saturday when I was doing my bachelor <laughs> degree. You yeah. sold cars? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I used to sell cars. I used to work in a goat dairy. What else have I done? What was your Waitressing? gimmick? What was your gimmick to sell a car? I'm, I'm to not, close, to close that car. No, my gimmick. No, no, I didn't close. My gimmick was to be, I'm not a car salesman. I'm a science student. Oh, so you actually used that as your pitch? Absolutely, because I was a science student. And so they basically believed everything I said because I wasn't presenting as a salesman. I'm like, I'm just here filling in. My dad, like, you know, he's a manager. I'm just <laughs> filling in on the weekends because someone needs a day off to go to a wedding. Okay. And that totally worked, like that sort of Pollyanna, because there wasn't many female salespeople at that point either. Yeah, like, yeah. This is way back in the day. You know? yeah, yeah. So, just being a woman was just, you know... Unheard of. Was was unheard of. And so, um, but yeah, it was pretty easy. Okay, so... <laughs> Shooting on, fish in a barrel. On top on top of all that shit, you also mentor people. Yeah, like that's all that. I do now. So, that's, I, I don't work for money. I work for, I work for warm, fuzzy feelings. Doesn't pay the bills, but that's okay because I've sent my uh, sort of aging, um, decrepit husband back out um, <laughs> to earn some money. He thought he'd retire. He's a lovely guy. He is. <laughs> Bless him. House I'm serious. You're, you're hanging on him. I've met him. <laughs> I've met the man. He's I've great. spoken to him. He's a lovely guy. He is. He is, right. he is the best beta male you could ever meet. <laughs> and he says yes to all my crazy schemes <laughs> all the time. He does benefit from some of them, though, so that's all right. Okay, so let me ask you, after research, what would the natural transition be? I mean, as in... Well, usually... You, for, for a woman in STEM. For a woman in STEM. Um, well, you'd have to decide whether you're going to stay in research. So I, there was a lot of people that I know that have transitioned into um, sort of higher-level administrative roles doing... They call it the Alt-Ac track. Alt-Ac track. Here are the, the ac Which is alternative... <laughs> academic alternative to academia track and you can do that within a university so you you transfer over from the academic pay scale to the higher education worker pay scale which is basically a professional management pay scale as opposed to requiring a certain level of scholarship 
Okay. So you're no longer judged on your research. You're only judged on what you do. So it's more like a traditional management KPI job. It's really weird because when I, I mean, when you think of like the stereotype of what we typically think about certain industries, you know, like every car mechanic is a, is a greasy dude in his, you know, 40s or 50s covered in oil. When you think of scientist or researcher, th- even in the movies, yeah, it's always some... They're always evil. It's either some evil dude. Yeah. If he's not white, he's evil. Yeah. <laughs> Straight up. But it's always some starchy old dude with a lab I did, coat. I did like the fact that the evil the, the evil person in uh, Wonder Woman, your favourite not movie, um, <laughs> was actually a Muslim woman. Oh, um, yeah. I don't like the demonization of Muslims generally, but the fact that the uh, the bad the bad guy was actually a a woman and b not a white woman yeah. was actually great. Um, and I try and encourage my kids, particularly my daughter, that actually she needs to look. She needs to become the bad girl. Like, she needs to be that person because, actually, that's where the power is. And you shouldn't be the good girl because being the good girl got me absolutely nowhere. Let me tell you. It got me nowhere. It's got me – I got to the point of – and it, it got to the point where I couldn't move in my in my career anymore because I refused to be the good girl. I'm like, no, I don't have to do that anymore. I'm not 20. <laughs> you know, I'm not dancing to your tune. I'm not playing your games. Yeah, I've got yeah. my own bloody ideas and I want to I want to put them out there. And I was sort of, you know, people used to try and shove me back into my box and I would refuse to go back in the box. Do you reckon, do you think that men in, in STEM could just sort of keep floating along yeah. and just keep a career alive? Yeah, well, they do. And, and they, you know, it's, it's, it's very, a lot of it's based on the sort of timings and kinetics of STEM where the, at the point where it's, you have to work the hardest is the part, is the time when women biologically have children. Um, but if they choose not to have children, they can still stay in, in the game. But if they have children, they have to step back. And so this affects their track record. Yeah. Um, now there's various moves afoot to try and adjust for that. Um, but they still haven't worked. They're way off the mark. They're way off. And Australia particularly is a good 15 years behind where. I was going to say, who do you think, who do you think is in front of the game as far as women in STEM and how Um, their careers sort of can unfold? I mean, no, no one is very good at it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I gotta say, actually, some places like India, really, like some places like India and uh, the Middle East, because they're such oppressive societies for women a lot of the time. Yeah, that the the, the only way out is to become a STEM professional for those women. To actually, I was going to say, everyone can yeah. hang shit on India or the Middle East, no, but, but the they, truth they is, actually do every every girl that I know from like Dubai yeah, yeah, or you know, wherever, in the STEM industry. Man, they're, they're, yeah. they're fucking doctors, man. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and there was a there was an article someone sent to me asking me to explain this week, which was, why is it that when you empower women, they're empowered not to do STEM um, against all the sort of um, push to get them into STEM? And I'm like, yeah. because you're empowering them to do anything. Yeah, you're not just empowering them to do STEM. You're empowering them to do the arts, music, you know, business, yeah. entrepreneurialism. You're encouraging them to do everything. You know what really gets – what actually makes me smile is every time you either post it up on Insta or you might send it to me in a, in a message and it's uh, you working with uh, – the, the, like when you do your mentoring oh, in different yeah, yeah. schools, we, your workshops. Yeah, yeah. What was the last one you did with the oh, girls? We Something were, dirty. You were in the field. Yeah, we were in the field. Yeah, that, that's my um, – uh, the work that I do with the CSIRO STEM professionals in school. Um, and I'm working with a girls' school in Geelong, and that's why we were out at Viva, and that's how I know about the plastic banknote thing. Um, <laughs> but we were looking at ways that we could see corrosion of metal, and we and the whole it was actually I was teaching RE. Okay, let's let's think <laughs> at a Catholic girls' school. <laughs> why? Yeah. 
just bear with me. So, atheist, scientist, teaching RE. <laughs> yeah, okay. I think that's, an, that that's another reason why we've bonded, because how of did, the whole atheism thing. How did that happen? Yeah. Um, but I'm a small A atheist. I'm not one of those capital A atheist TMs like Lawrence Krauss gets stuffed. Those yeah. people can bite me. Um, and uh, But basically, I had to take the girls out to fetch back in our crates of uh, metal scales that we'd we'd engraved designs on and painted anti-corrosion. Oh, is that on. what the video was of the girls with the um, yeah. the drill presses? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's all the same. It's all the I, same. I, I remember you it's sending me that video, project. but you never explained to me what it was. That's what was right. it? Yeah, what were no, they doing? They were they were putting holes so that they could attach their their metal scales that they engraved their designs on and okay. painted onto bread crates that we threw in um, the outlet at Viva Refinery in Geelong. <laughs> When we left them there for four weeks, I went to I went to the states, I went to Toronto, <laughs> I did that conference, then we came back and fished it back out again. So, and and what, we're were the, be what were the results that. of that experiment? Well, there's a lot of corroded stuff, you know. <laughs> um, but we're going to actually take those scales, and and we're working with an artist called um, Cinnamon, or oh, what's her last name? A uh, bit Cinnamon from Anglesey. Okay. Um, and she's a metal art, metalwork artist, and she's going to basically take the scales and design a fish. Sculpture with okay. them. Just shooting sort of ahead, your colleagues, anyone, like even colleagues and peers and such that you've worked with in STEM, yep. know, especially women in STEM, yep. say any of them that have started in the, you know, around the same time as you, got into the game the same time as you, you know, you watched and as they progressed, where are they now? Yeah, well, generally. The childless ones are still there. I was going to say, let's assume, yeah, let's assume <laughs> they haven't got kids. The childless ones are still there and are progressing perhaps at the rate that they would be expected to progress. Um, some of the ones that have had children and had maternity breaks are, yeah. are, are sort of a few years behind the childless ones. Um, but the men in STEM that I was with, I mean, the guy that got his promotion when I missed out on mine, he had a meteoric rise for someone so mediocre. Um, <laughs> to the point of he got to from level BC in 2016, he got to associate head of school, which is like four. Four jumps up in two yeah, in ranks. two years. Yeah, um, mind blowing. Actually, I just remembered who it was that I had to introduce you to. Ah, good. Yeah, it was a client, and she was in research, and she happened to be at the same unis that you'd sort of flo- uh, not unis high, uh, high schools and stuff that you'd floated around. Oh, in. there you go. I can't and remember. the unis, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was, and uh, she said that she had to take a step back because she had kids. Yeah, well, that's it, and you do, and and it, it's I didn't step back for long with my second child because yeah. I had a house husband at home who thought he'd retired, <laughs> um, and so he stayed home with my second child, my daughter. And, um, you know, he looked after her as the primary carer and I went back to work at six weeks and I tried to pump breast milk and there was no breast, there was no breastfeeding room in the campus I was on. And, you know, I got up the courage to complain to the female vice chancellor about it. And she sort of yelled at me that she doesn't care about white middle-class people and their needs. What? She just wanted more girls to come into STEM. And I was just like, well, I'm like cashed up Bogan first in family to go to university. Um, how about you give me some of the rights that I've earned by going to university? <laughs> um, so yeah, that was an interesting conversation. And, um, yeah, she, as it, suffice to say, she, and I saw her recently before she retired and, um, we had a conversation and she started sort of heckling me for leaving Deakin because I'd had such a bad time after I left with the mental yeah. breakdown. Um, 
And I said I had to leave. And she's like, why? Why did you have to leave? And I'm like, because I was being harassed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was stuck. And she's like, well, why didn't you report it? And I'm like, oh, God, are we going to have this why didn't you report it oh, question again? God. Yeah, fair enough. It's like there's no no winners if you report without evidence. You know? Speaking of reporting and evidence, uh, one, of the, one of the funniest things, one of the funniest things, or one of the things I follow most closely about your career and interaction with the media was the whole Lawrence Krauss thing. Yeah, well, that that, that required, that there was evidence, there was there were I'm witnesses. I'm surprised. Do you feel that your profile blew up after that at all? Any bigger? Because I, really. thought, I thought that would be a big thing. Uh, so did I. I and, really thought... I, and like, actually, I just became... That just sort of took me to the level of troublemaking that was... And it was interesting that I was expecting to go to the conference in the US um, and actually be asked to speak about that. And no one had, no one knew who I was. I was going to say, that was with the University of... Uh, uh, Arizona State Arizona University. State, yeah. yeah. Did they ever reach out to you after all that sort of happened? After I'm he still was... waiting for them to get back to me about the retaliation that he did, <laughs> both after the first um, BuzzFeed article and after the second investigation found him guilty of sexual misconduct. I remember the BuzzFeed article because yeah. you, that was a work in progress for fucking how long? Yeah, like, ages. Know, ages. <laughs> and then you literally sent me the links like, yeah, yeah hot off the press. I'm like, oh! Was, there it is. It's I was sat down and read it. I was like trembling like, oh, this is sick. And I honestly thought that was going to blow up your profile and be a big thing because Lawrence Krauss is prominent. Like, he's yeah, yeah. massive. You know, Neil deGrasse and all, all of them. Like, yeah. he's someone up there. So... The university, after he was found So guilty. basically, he, the, the reason I went to BuzzFeed in the first place is because the university, we did the he said, she said thing. Yeah. Um, and I provided a photo of the incident that was mm. given to me by the person that was groped um, for the purposes of supplying it to the university. Um, but I didn't drag in all of, I didn't, I didn't know that I, there was any other witnesses at that point. Yeah. And so I gave the investigators everything I knew and I gave BuzzFeed the same information after... Um, Arizona State came back and said, no, nothing to see here. We believe him, not you. <laughs> and I'm just like, seriously? Yeah. You're calling me a liar? <laughs> there is no reason for me to take this on. Like, yeah. honestly, there is no benefit to me. I'm not even in... I'm just a, a concerned person that worries about that he thinks it's okay to walk around grabbing people on the tit, a bit like Wayne Carey, <laughs> um, who was convicted <laughs> of grabbing someone on the tit in Victoria. Was it? Uh, yeah. That was his first. That was his first... I don't know, some random woman that was walking down Collins Street. I'm just trying to remember because I remember he used to this be. This was his he first. To, it was his first altercation with violence against. He women. used to booze this was up way before. This was way before he glassed his own girlfriends. That was in America. I yeah. remember that. Yeah, that was after that. So the first incident of violence against women that Wayne Carey was convicted of was basically seven o'clock in the morning after they lost the grand final, the second grand final they were in. Yeah. That was 99, was it, I think. Was it 99 or before that? Maybe we, no, no, anyway, 97, 97. They had just lost a grand final. Yeah. Um, and they'd been out drinking King Street or something, and they were walking through the CBD to get to get back to yeah. whatever hotel I was staying in or something. And he was just there with his mates being leery and pissed and just went up and grabbed some woman. Okay. That was like trying to get to work <laughs> on the tit. Just to cop a feel as a drunken asshole yeah. walking down the road. You know, that sort of street harassment that women have to put up with a lot. Um, and he was actually tried and convicted because he was so recognisable. Um, she could identify him to the police, and they could uh, they could arrest him. Whereas if if you, you know you did it, you'd probably get away with it because no one could work out who you are, um, <laughs> yes. unless unless the woman managed to cop some, some, some DNA guy, yeah. some <laughs> DNA database. But you know, it's uh, he was and he was tried for sexual assault um, for grabbing her on the tit, but it was aggravated because it was you know there was there was no. 
she was literally minding her own business, yeah, just walking down the road. Bystander. So it, it was a, it was, a, it was an aggravated sexual assault. Yeah. Uh, whereas the Lawrence Krauss incident was actually um, a sexual. Um, it wasn't a sexual assault. It was sexual harassment because it was unwelcome sexual touching. But the fact that he was in a situation with the woman and they had had an interaction before he grabbed her meant that it wasn't aggravated, violent type attack. And so it's yeah, it wasn't just spontaneous in the dark. No, it wasn't just random lady on the street. It was basically there was an interaction before that, so it was sexual harassment versus sexual assault. And I, all the trolls from the US, is like, well, why didn't you go to the police? And I'm like, because that's not the guidelines in the jurisdiction that he grabbed her in. Yeah. Um, and so I would send the links to the, this is how you deal with sexual harassment in, in a workplace. And yeah. he was working. I was working. Yeah. Cause I was on the same bill as him as a speaker. And so I was horrified that he was there representing his university and thought that he could get away with that because, you know, what happens on tour stays on tour. And I'm like, no, we have the internet. This now. isn't Vegas. <laughs> this is not Vegas. This is Melbourne. And this is a conference that I am horrified. You just grabbed my friend on the tit while I've stood there aghast. Yeah. Even though I had been warned that you do that kind of stuff, yeah, by one of your male, you know, <laughs> colleagues, yeah, <laughs> had told me you're a bit of an octopus and to watch out and to warn my friends, and so I had. <laughs> octopus. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, honestly, it's like Benny. It looked like it was like a sketch from Benny Hill. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh my god, I'm looking for like a policeman with a with a truncheon. It was crazy. <laughs> okay, so th- that happened. The whole Buzzfeed thing. I'm actually really stunned that the university never actually contacted you after he was stood down. No, no, no. No, they contacted me after the BuzzFeed article to reopen a second investigation okay. based on what the contents of the BuzzFeed article. I'm like, well, why are you asking me? I gave you I gave you a sworn statement. And you told me to fuck off, yeah. And you told me that there was no case to answer. But you're saying now that there's like some more witnesses and one of those witnesses has a penis Whoa. that I might actually be believed. <laughs> You know, no shit. It's like really. So penis gives you credibility. Yeah. So apparently, one woman saying that Lawrence Krauss groped this woman was not enough, but corroborating people with penises backing me up, and in fact, by that stage, the the woman in question also contacted ASU to just say, yeah, 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 he grabbed my tip, but I don't think you should sack him for it. Yeah. Um. But you know, that's her prerogative. But I was trying to protect people that he might be exposed to that were younger, sort of trainees in um, in physics. And they were the people I was concerned about, um, the sort of nameless, faceless trainees that might come across him. Did and you have any interaction ways. with him directly after? Yeah. Yeah, really? I, like, literally talked to him. He's got no self-reflection. Like, I spoke to him the next day at the morning tea break, and I'm like, oh... You must get a lot of people, like, harassing you at conferences. <laughs> and he had absolutely zero, zero really? um, self-reflection. He's like, yeah, it's really hard, you know, being a celebrity and all. And I'm like, mm. it was just- And I'm there thinking, you arrogant asshole. Oh, no. <laughs> that is really knobbish behaviour. Yeah, it was. And, and to be fair, I wasn't, because my friend didn't want to make a complaint, I respected that at the time. But then after I wrote, I think he came out, him and Michael Shermer, when it was the science march and they were, you know, the, the marginalized science community, the people with disabilities, the people of color in science were coming out and saying, hey, enough already with dragging Bill Nye out of mothballs to do, to lead the thing. Where's, where's the diversity? And I was supporting them and, and people like Lawrence Krauss and Michael Shermer, who's another person that's very, um, awkward, um, sexual inappropriateness in the field um, 
really came out and um, said, "Oh, it's about science. Shouldn't we shouldn't we shouldn't fight amongst ourselves? We should. It's it's science. It's pure." And we're all like, no, it's not science. It's done by humans. Science is done by humans. And so human biases and human foreboils absolutely apply. And, um, and so I cracked it. I absolutely, the white, the white incandescent white rage hit me. <laughs> and I went, you asshole. <laughs> and then I wrote this sort of scathing blog post, which was, was the only blog post of mine that ever got like 3000 hits. Um, and the physics community then, Basically, because I think I, I hashtagged it Astro SH, which was the hashtag for Astro Sexual Harassment. And so yeah. the physics community knew who I was talking about. They knew it wasn't Shermer. They knew it was Krauss. Yeah. And so um, I then got a flood of people saying, if you've got anything on this guy, please help us. And so the whisper net kicked in. And I actually had um, a woman who was his student in the past sent me her paperwork from 2010. <laughs> About the time that she had, he'd been found guilty of sexual misconduct when she was a student against her. And so I just went, ah, oh, moral dilemma now. I've got the actual victim who doesn't want to make a complaint versus one of his me, past yeah. victims going, please do something about this asshole. He's been doing this for 10 years. Yeah. Um, and so I got placed in a moral dilemma and I chose to act against the wishes of the your, person your friend, that was groped. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so. But at the end of the day, it meant that he was discredited to the point where now his friend Jeffrey Epstein. Oh yeah, are they friends? Yeah, yeah. He's one of the he's one of the Jeffrey Epstein science intellectual really? dark web. Yeah, yeah. I love how Trump Trump's out. looped into that whole thing as well. Yeah, no, they're all looped in. But yeah, Lawrence Krauss has looped in with that, and I had he, no idea. he he came out in 2017 and defended Jeffrey Epstein. So you can actually find that online. Where I was going to say him. he's not a pedophile. All the people I saw, ever saw around him were like at least 18. You're <laughs> <laughs> like, mate, dude. But now, guess what? He's not saying anything because he's been discredited for being a groping asshole too. What's he so, actually doing now, Krauss? Don't know. Don't care. I was going to say like, intellectual I... dark web. He's he's hanging with Jordan Peterson. <laughs> And Stephen Pinker. You really don't like Jordan Peterson. I don't like any of them. They're all assholes. <laughs> I remember. I remember. I specifically Sam asked Sam Harris, Stephen Pinker, Jordan Peterson, Lawrence Krauss, pretty much Richard Dawkins. He's up there, but he's not too bad. I, I mean, I I might hesitate before giving him the Glaswegian kiss, um, which is a headbutt to. The, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I know what that is. You know what that is. Calm right. down. Yeah, hey. <laughs> there's some things you don't forgive um who else what's the other one there's another asshole i can't remember there's a few of them anyway you know what the thing is michael Shermer. because i i remember with jordan peterson like I, i've watched his videos and i i agree with a lot of what he says and blah 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 but i remember asking you specifically what is your opinion on jordan peterson as someone in stem as someone and I, sees- sent, I sent you the link from here the person that got him the job didn't i i think so yeah which which all is is the only thing you ever need to read on jordan peterson which is i supported Jordan Peterson to enter University of Toronto, and now I'm wishing I'd never met the man. <laughs> and so for his academic mentor and sponsor to say, oh, my God, he's a complete fruitcake, um, and he's not the messiah, he's a very naughty boy, which is too okay. long, don't read. In a, in a nutshell. okay, He's let's not just, the messiah, he's the very naughty boy. Let's just assume people listening know who Jordan Peterson is without going into who he is and what he says. Yeah. Because I've talked about him at length. Oh, right? he's just, he's just why, full of shit. Why do you think he's full of shit? Well, he is. I mean, he's just, it's just it's pseudo, pseudo babble. He, he basically does, and 
I've been studying this in the sort of, um, you know, complementary medicine space where you get a lot of people doing conferences and podcasts where they talk sciencey science, but it's actually pseudoscience. And Jordan Peterson is the same. Like he's using a platform as an academic to try and say what he says is actually backed up by evidence. And the fact is it isn't. Okay. Okay. Um, they're just his few opinions and he doesn't back them up with evidence. And I mean that bullshit with the lobsters. What the hell? There was there was like, and I was on Twitter, and they're like actual lobster researchers going, "Mate, that's total bullshit." Yeah. And so me watching as a scientist, watching other scientists take apart his sciencey science pseudoscience arguments. That's what I see because I'm in that. I'm in that. They're, they're my bubble. They're in my bubble with me. That's why I asked you. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I can take what he says and say, okay, well, yeah, that makes just, a bit of if sense. You take, if you take what he... And, yeah. and that's the thing. It's, it's a bit like, uh, you know, horoscopes, where I, there, there's a grain of some <laughs> sort of truth in something, and you think, oh, yeah, but then... He sort of blinds you with with psychobabbles shit and <laughs> academic language and dresses it up and it's just bullshit. Okay, so okay. Uh, from a, from, an acad- from a scholarship that's from an academic scholarship. I swear because I still really I, I still remember not not even feeling apprehension but maybe nervousness just when I punched in the word because I was waiting for you to just tear him apart. <laughs> I, I was preempting it. No, I didn't need to tear him apart because was, his his own academic sponsor, the man who had got him the job at University of Toronto, which is and I've just been there to visit my friend who is in the same department as him. Um and I'd say how's it going? How's your dean going with with uh <laughs> with uh, your man Peterson? And he's like, "Oh god, the dean's had to like put on an extra admin person just to answer the complaint letters." Really? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, but it's really difficult to remove an academic once they've got, they've got sort of a tenured faculty position. It's almost like you have yeah, to Yeah, once you get tenured, that's it. That's it. <laughs> once you get tenured, you... that's why people were just so, like, surprised that I gave up tenure. They thought I was mad. And I'm yeah, like, tenure? Yeah. Well, I didn't know. Well, in Australia, we don't really have tenure as such, but I had a permanent faculty position at Deakin, yeah. Okay. And oh, so, and, news. and yeah. you know, when I put in my, um, uh, my, uh, my, Application to my entry submission to the Australian Human Rights Council had their sexual harassment inquiry yeah. run by Kate Jenkins quite recently. I think it was February. I put in end of February. I put in my application, and I talked about what had happened to Deakin. Um, and the, I, I had an Excel spreadsheet where I actually worked out how much money I would have made if I'd stayed there and worked my way up to sort of you know associate professor. Um, wow. by, by the time I retired at 67 and how much money I'd actually yeah. lost by walking away from that position. And it turned out to be something with, so if you were looking at 2% inflation over that time, it came out at $6.3 million. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yet you're sitting here drinking Prosecco out of a can, <laughs> talking to an Thank unemployed bum. <laughs> hey, I'm an unemployed bum too. No, no. I love it. We're, no, we're self-employed. Yeah, to a degree. Yeah. We're self-employed. <laughs> we just don't make enough money out of being self-employed to actually pay for our bills. Actually, this is a question. You've sort of hinted in the past when you've done a podcast or done whatever. How how active has Australian media in any way been to reach out for either your opinion on something or for happenings of the events surrounding, say, Krauss or Deacon or blah, blah, um, blah, blah, blah. They, well, the Australian media are not very good. I did, I, there was, and there was times... <laughs> Blanket statement. Sorry. Sorry. No, no, the ABC are very good. And so, and, and I, <laughs> you know, talking about having to supervise, um, assholes was actually part of a, an interview I did, um, about gagging orders with Deakin. And I did that after I left Deakin, yeah. um, with the ABC with Hagger Cohen, who on background briefing. So there was a whole sort of 30, 40 minute show on that. 
um, having to line manage, uh, you know, people that were then, you know, asked to leave. And then I was actually gagged from saying anything bad about someone I'd line managed who I knew was a disaster. Yeah. And the HR department actually gagged me. Um, and so that was unedifying. And so I couldn't speak about it until I left Deakin. And so then I spoke about it. Um, but fast forward to sort of now, was- and I've just been interviewed by the National Geographic. So the November edition, the National Geographic magazine, international. Okay. We're, we're, uh, international. We're, we're promoting here? Yeah, promoting. Okay, we're promoting. I'm promoting. I'm promoting. National Geographic. National November. Geographic <laughs> November edition. Um, is they're doing a women in STEM um, oh, like a whole sort a of whole, thing. The whole, the whole thing. You're on the front page on your can of Prosecco? Uh, no. <laughs> no. The North uh, Jumper? No, no. Um, Go I, STEM. No. I think Lawrence Krauss might get a mention. Um, but, uh, you know, I talk about the ways sex, sexism and sexual uh, sexual harassment have affected my career okay. throughout the years. And um, so I'm looking forward to that coming out in November. That's pretty cool. Do you know who else they interviewed? Or don't know. But there's, there's sort of, I know the crew that they might have interviewed and, and sort of and Angela Siani, who is the um, editor of that, um, she's actually written a couple of books. She's written a book called Inferior, which talks about how science gets women wrong, and she's just released one called Superior, which is about race science and how it's all wrong. So the Jordan Petersons of the world. <laughs> what about? So, please buy her book. What about as far as like colleagues and personal, yeah, you know, people that you've worked with in STEM, like women in STEM? Can't you get like a roundtable of sort of? Yeah, you know, vigilantes the way you you put yourself I am across. the head vigilante, but the problem is <laughs> is that people I am the leader of the I group. am the head vigilante. <laughs> I am like chief chief of the Cassandra Club. Yeah. Um but really it's dangerous. You shouldn't do it. And I have been ostracized by the entire STEM fraternity for speaking out on various things. Um and I can't speak about them because guess what? Yeah. I'm under an NDA. Yeah. Um and so I can't really say much more than that, apart from the fact that I do warn other women that there is a price to pay and you will be retaliated against if you have been a vigilante for this kind of stuff. So you need to be a nice girl and just come and whinge to Mel and I'll go there, there, it's okay. I've lost everything. I'll keep fighting the good fight for everybody. Um you just and if you need me to call your employer and stand by you and be your support person, I'm there for you anytime. Okay, so let's skip ahead and go to the Cassandra Club. Everything. Oh yes. About. Okay, so the Cassandra Club is actually related to my next crowdfunder a promotion again. <laughs> eh, go, eh, go eh, for it. Promotion. Um, I want three percent of every. You're money getting that comes nothing. In. You're <laughs> getting nothing. Do you wear a t-shirt like a podcast t-shirt? Yeah, I'll write. Yeah, I'll, even yeah. though yeah, you yeah, probably yeah. write us off as misogynist or sexist or oh, whatever. Well, yeah, but just just <laughs> unsophisticated, really. Yeah. I mean, you, we mean well. Yeah, you mean well. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's okay. <laughs> it's just not my thing, but you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm going doing a, a new campaign called Become Strident. Yep. Um, and it's basically getting people to vote for the teams that they identify themselves with. So you've got the team become strident and they tend to be the younger people in STEM that really want to change the culture because they're in there and they're young and they're feisty and they, 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 they're in team harpy. So they're, they're the sort of harpies, <laughs> the sort of Harry Potter. It's, it's JK Rowling should have had ha- harpy house in the, um, Harry Potter books, you know, yeah. all of her houses are a little bit too noble. Um, you need the actual strident harpy house. So, um, I've, I've had a graphic designer design that and I'm looking at, I'm still trying to decide where I'm going to get it tattooed on my body. <laughs> but, uh, yes, yeah, so answers on a postcard, please. Um, <laughs> but then we have, um, the, uh, the team that, the team complicit. 
So team complicit are the people in the system that can't speak out because if they speak out, they will be retaliated against. And so they're, they know they should speak up and speak out, but they're in the system and they're benefiting from the system. And so they're trying to make changes from the inside behind closed doors. Yeah. Now I tried to do that shit. Waste of time. <laughs> Waste of time and energy. You may as well just go full Cassandra Club where you're just literally talking about the shit 24-7 and no one listens to you because you've said it so much that they've stopped listening. Um, and for, pe- for people at home that don't know, Cassandra meaning what? Cassandra is the uh, daughter of Priam in the Troy, yeah. uh, Helen of Troy and all that lot. Um, she basically was a... Was the Delphic goddess or something? Prophetess? Yeah, it's all I don't know. You're Greek. You oracles. tell me. They're all oracles. The oracles. She was an oracle. <laughs> um, but she basically got cursed um, to tell the truth, but to have no one believe her. Yeah. Um, and I really identify with that story. And so, and there's quite a lot of my compatriots that have been fighting this good fight for a long time. And now we're starting to see the new generation pop up and, and, and basically not acknowledge the work that we've done. They're just building on the shoulders of giants, but not acknowledging the giants. Yeah. And they're saying, oh, it's all my idea, and please give me a TED Talk, and I I, I can't even tell you <laughs> the fact that there's some woman that's done a TED Talk for women in STEM, but she's got a BA in journalism, and I'm just like, I want to kill you right now. <laughs> um, and, and I know her, and as I say, I've tried to talk to her about lack of intersectionality, yeah. um, but she wouldn't listen. And so I just heckled them in public. Why? Now. Why do you feel that? Yeah, I mean, because yeah. it didn't benefit her. Okay. You know, and this is the thing. It's too hard. Intersectionality is really hard because it's like, well, women first, everybody else second. I'm like, no, Aboriginal women first. Yeah. Disabled women first. People of colour first. Yeah. Then the white women, lesbians. <laughs> you know? <laughs> because actually, st- the studies show that it's not, you know, <coughs> sexuality whilst being an issue, it's actually a lot worse to be a trans woman than being a cis lesbian yeah. in science. And so, and I've got a few friends that I support and mentor through their transitions as people in science. Um, and I've got sort of disability advocate friends that are transitioning to become men. Um, so, you know, these are people I hang out with and spend time with. And I have friends that need straws when they go to bars, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And I know that when I go and get them a glass of glass of Prosecco at the bar, I have to come yeah. back with a straw for them because they're disabled and they can't control a glass. They have to keep it on the on the thing and drink with a straw. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. Okay. So Cassandra Club end game. So the Cassandra Club is just, you know, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. <laughs> yeah. In fact. You heard it here first, folks. Um, and you'll Make, be making, bloody... You'll making be, good on that promise like three years ago. Yeah, no, when did we start discussing that? <laughs> to be fair, it was slightly different format that we were discussing. Yeah. Much more interesting, but um, not quite as professionally uh, rewarding, perhaps. Um, Leave the unprofessionalism to me. Oh, come yeah. on. It's because, my voice is too, it's because my voice is too recognisable. If I thought I could get away with doing the actual podcast I want to yeah. do about sex positivity and women... Um, I'd do it, um, but I don't think I can get away with it and still be employable. Yeah. I'm barely employable as it is. Um, so you know, <laughs> this, I, I'm right on the edge of employability. But if I if I come out in public and say, "Oh yeah, I'm a practicing polyamorous pansexual," 
Ben. What? Yes, exactly. It's Most the plus, you know, LGBTB plus. Yeah. Queer. I think we just call it queer. Yeah. Um, so taking, taking that word back. Very queer. <laughs> Reappropriating the word. Very queer. Okay. Um, so, yeah, but people don't expect me to be queer because I have a nice husband and a couple of nice cute kids, and so they just expect that I'm just Your kids are straight. cute. They're actually um, adorable. They are. I mean, first time I met your daughter was at um, Ikea. She's cute. Yeah. She's going to be in the Addy this week. She was doing her photo shoot yesterday for Science Week. We're really? doing We're doing maggots down the local library for Science Week, <laughs> based on our Mighty Maggot stuff that we did back in 2012 <laughs> or something. Okay, so Cassandra Club podcast. So, yeah, and, the, and Cassandra Club is actually attached to the Become Strident campaign, which I haven't got going yet because, again, I'm looking for jobs and if I'm actually launching a crowdfunding campaign to launch a disruptive tech company that's a conflict of interest with any employer that I may be working for, yeah. um, it's it's difficult. So I've had to actually hold off on that for a while. I've, I've done sort of a, a teaser videos and stuff. Yeah. Um, but actually, at the end of the day, I may not – I might have to f- try and find other ways to fund that that aren't public. So I have to basically go and hit up my network – and try and find some angel donors that are willing to give me thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, just based a- on my charm and, and fabulousness alone, <laughs> <laughs> which is a struggle. Let me tell you. Okay, I'm just noting the time, and I know you're getting yep. close, so we'll wrap it. But I just want to ask, um, what advice do you have to any <sighs> budding women in STEM? Women in STEM, don't do it. No, no. <laughs> Don't believe the hype. Um, It's centuries away from actually being equal. Um, But, you know, if you want to be a scientist, just do it. Um, Do whatever you like and don't let people put you off. Um, It's difficult to find sponsors as a woman in any field and in any um, sector, not just science, because women don't get sponsored. Blue-eyed boys get sponsored. If you don't have blue eyes, you might get sponsored. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, the further the further away from blue-eyed boy you are, you're an out-group, you're an other, and so you will always be treated as such. And there is it, it's a, there's, a, there's a real psychological discomfort from being other, and I think that you would understand yeah, that. Yeah, you're telling me. Um, exactly. So, you know, this this concept of other, you've got the in-group, which is usually white men, yeah. regardless of industries, yeah? Talk about your industry, talk about mine. Yeah. Guess what? White men. And yeah. they're all called Dave. <laughs> Or Matt, or John. <sighs> and actually, my friend uh, Deb Verhoeven, bless her cotton socks, she's gone to uh, she's gone to Canada now because she got so sick of the shit here in Australia in academia. She's got a fabulous job in Alberta. Um, she actually did a study called the Diversity Study, looking yeah. at the fact that there's more people called Dave getting scientific grants to do research That's than a fact. women. That is a fact. That is an absolute bona fide fact. Look it up. Hashtag diversity. But not a Jordan Peterson-esque fact. No, no. <laughs> no, no. Fact. Actual fact. Using data and stuff. No, that's a fact. That's a fact. <laughs> and she does criminal network analysis stuff of like pe- men that will only work with other men uh, as well in the sort of movie industries. That's her actual scholarship she does. She's a media professor. What do you think is keeping Australia back? Um, lack of risk. Risk? Appetite. Yeah. Absolutely. In, okay, in Everything. Sense? Everything. Australia is too scared to take a chance on failing. And the lack of appetite for failure in this country is the problem because you have to fail and you have to fail fast and you have to fail early to be innovative and you have to be comfortable with failure. And Australians are not comfortable with failure. 
Even though apparently we can't win a bloody rugby match anymore. <laughs> we were leaders in innovation, though, at one point. Yeah, when? when? That's when, what I'm saying. When was that exactly? What happened? We weren't. It's a lie. Really? Yeah. That's what we're made to believe. I'm just saying. Of course they are. <laughs> of course they're telling you that. But let's talk about the fact that we are at the bottom, below, like Cyprus, on innovation really? league tables in the OECD. Yes. Look, you'd know these things. I don't. So Totally know these things. Um, we're right down the bottom. And in fact, the the people that I was dealing with in my last job have come out last week and said, right, officially, the ideas boom is ideas bust because they didn't actually back up. Because Malcolm Turnbull was removed and he was the person that had presented the, the innovation policies yeah. and had take, took it to an election and people didn't just were frightened that robots were going to take their job because guess what? We all know robots yeah. take jobs. Yeah. Um, and... Because of that, they didn't actually get to do the, the communications piece around, well, a robot might take your boring, shitty job of moving boxes around a warehouse, but actually you get a better job just like, you know, monitoring the robots are doing their thing properly. But there's going to be a lot less jobs. And the, the, the new industrial revolution, I know this was something that we've both been talking about today, Yeah. Um, where this sort of fourth industrial revolution is where the sort of the Amazon warehouse becomes the new spinning Jenny, which we had in the in the sort of fabric in the sort of yep. dark satanic mills in where I used to live in Yorkshire and Manchester, um, where where the spinning the sort of spinning Jenny um, looms took over from you know people, people yeah people, people actually using looms yeah so um, you know and that's what we're seeing now with with warehousing and you've got these sort of massive Amazon Amazon warehouses and. Yeah. All of our big companies are going the same way. That I mean, the food and grocery industry is—it's you know—we've seen recently Coles and Woolworths are laying off staff, and even the big four banks and Telstra—you you can't—they're getting rid of branches. You don't have branch staff anymore. And I had a massive argument the other day on Twitter, and, and it was funny. It's one of those things where if you rant on Twitter enough, you get what you want. And yeah. I've had the CEO of Telstra. Reply to me on Twitter before today. <laughs> after I used the hashtag for some innovation conference, they got to they got over to the big tech conference where Apple and Microsoft do all their big announcements. Yeah, they'd gone there to sell Telstra, and I was basically tweeting on the hashtag <laughs> at Telstra pictures of carrier pigeons because I was trying to get my NBN reconnected. <laughs> And they kept, I kept having to deal with Filipino call centers who were telling me to write down reference numbers with a pen and paper. I'm like, can't you send that on a text message? You're Telstra. Send it to me on a text message. So you tweeted. So I tweeted. I kept tweeting. And because they, they literally, I got, I got, I was on some newsletter that was saying, oh yes, we're over here doing this big, big launch in, in America. Hey, why is my NBN not working? <laughs> I tell you what though, the PR people that were trying to get the message out there, I was basically spamming the hashtag. And they rang me up. They're like, well played. You're just a serial pest. I'm a serial pest. I, uh, I like just trolled. Okay, so I'll, I'll make this the closing yep. closing question, yeah? You've got a background in academia, research, you're established in that field, you're not an idiot, right? Yeah. As far as that well, goes. Well, apparently. It depends who you are. You're intelligent, okay? So they say. You've, you've taken down people like Krauss and seemingly untouchable people in in the field itself in the wake of- Someone has to. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not done. <laughs> You're obviously humanitarian, all right? Theoretically. (laughs) Theoretically. You have photos of yourself with uh, powerful people in in politics and and, and science. And (laughs) 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 Pauline. She got laughed at out of parliament the other day, by the way. She raised something. You got two votes, you know, her and. uh, To be fair, (laughs) uh, as as someone who is pansexual, I'd go her. 
Oh, come on. Yeah, no, seriously. Why? I would. She's a good-looking woman. How? She is. You see her in the flesh. She's impressive. Ugh. I feel like that's staring like at the devil. <laughs> I'm stronger for it. No, no, no. Okay, given all your credentials, given all your experience, etc., why haven't? You, what's stopping you from say going into politics outside of say okay. personal interest? Outside I did. Of personal I did interest. actually ask the question to politicians I know that are senior politi- okay. political memory, and and they did say we sort of examined it, and I said, uh, "Is is the travel going to kill me again? Because I've been tr- doing the travel, and it's a bit, you know, it's hard." Look, we know. We know. Yeah, obviously, politicians travel um, a lot. And is that what's holding you back? No, it's the fact that I haven't been. I'm. It, it was interesting because I asked the question and the answer was, how old are you? And I said, uh, at that point, I think I was 43. Yeah. Um, I said 43 and they went, nah, a bit long in the tooth to start now. Really? Yeah. Because of the, because of the bullshit having to come through the parties. Yeah, obviously you've got to start at the bottom. Up, and who do it with the Liberal National Party? Because frankly, their staffers just abuse the women in their party. That's just been out this week. That yeah. came out this morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you just wouldn't. Even with it. your sort of exposure, even with you know, I mean, I, it's bit. There's too much, and look, it comes I, down to politics and policy is not made on an evidence-based basis. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's a negotiated political um, halfway house, and as a scientist, I'm slagging off Jordan Peterson for not <laughs> doing evidence-based stuff. I'm also going to slag off the government for not doing evidence-based stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at the disaster that is. Oh yes, we'll still dig up coal. I, know, I don't understand. Uh, just you know, and like in this day and age, this day how that's <laughs> even a conversation, I don't I know. understand. It's it. just ridiculous. Like, and as a scientist, I can't even. There would be too much. Uh, there would be too much um, compromise, and I I couldn't compromise my values because I I won't even compromise my values for my employers, let alone yeah to become a power broker in Canberra. Yeah. Um. I just it's too uncomfortable for me. I would rather die in penury living in a cage shouting at clouds um, and try to have power in other ways to try and manipulate the system just by – and at the moment in the women in the STEM system, I'm sort of the outlier screaming at clouds type of woman. Um, but in other parts of the world, I'm seen as a legitimate and expert in the, on the topic and that's why I travel overseas quite a lot because – I'll quote Tupac Shakur. He said, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm going to change the world, but I will inspire – the mind that will change the world. That's it, and I and that's why I've really changed my focus into the the, the next generation yeah. of scientists, and that's why I do free mentoring for anybody I think needs it. <laughs> As I say, <laughs> you didn't get a choice whether I was your mentor. I just thrust myself upon you. I still you. remember that. That was a text message. I still remember yeah. it. You're like, nah, that's it. That's it. You'd asked me something about my abilities or like my my work background or my education or something, and I basically my CV in a nutshell. And then you just cracked it. Yeah. Like what the. Fuck. Like, no, that's this is, it. No, it's bullshit. <laughs> Gotta work on this shit. But, I mean, I've done that for, for women in STEM. And I have a girl that was just one of my Twitter buddies um, that basically was 32. She was working in a dead-end job, uh, earning $45,000 a year. And yeah. she just got her Master's of Public Health. And I'm like, fuck's sake, you've just got Ow. a Master's. Why are you earning shit money being some shit kicker in a path lab? Yeah. Get your ass out of there. If we don't get you up to 85 grand by the end of 12 months, we're not trying hard enough. And so I basically just caned her ass until she did it. And guess what? That's where she is. Yeah. <laughs> She's now in the position, her dream job, doing what she loves. And it's, it's, you know, she's, she's got there because, but she just needed someone to pick her up and kick her up the ass. Yeah. But I've said the same thing, same thing to you as well. 
Yeah, well, I, I also need ass kicking. I'm not I saying. I said the same thing. And that's thing the relationship we have is I mutual said the same ass kicking. Yeah, mutual I ass said kicking. That. Bullshit. Bullshit. No, no, yeah, yeah. I'm calling bullshit. That was on. That was on grounds of me getting the studio. I still remember it. And I haven't forgotten yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I said I'll get the studio if, if you start a bloody podcast. Yeah, you were overseas, and I said when you get back. You've got 30 days. <laughs> well, I'd think if maybe a couple yeah. of months. But, yeah, I got here eventually. <laughs> yeah, right, but this Although is still... there was not enough Prosecco when I arrived. What the fuck, man? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had a meal. For, I haven't had a square meal for weeks. Oh, come on. Right. No, 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 it's fine. Anyway, how long do you reckon this has been running? Take a guess. Oh, Christ. And I'll tell you what. A couple of hours? No, no, hang on. You've got to be specific because I've got to say, this was the quickest rolling start I've ever had with a podcast because everything was set up and working when we sat down outside of your headphones. Two and a half hours. You're on one hour and 50 minutes. Oh, that's flat. A, that's pretty good. Hey, hey. That's perfect. When was the last podcast that you did? Oh, Christ, I don't know. I remember you sent me one. This really... um. Was it the Lawrence Krauss one? Maybe. I think you were talking about BuzzFeed. I was like, yeah, it was probably Lawrence Krauss. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. That was, okay. that was probably short. <laughs> um... Like, yeah, you just said, uh, Dr. Doctor. <laughs> I put it doctor! in there. I put it in there. Don't call me Mrs. Doctor. I, I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine. Hey, hey. <laughs> Lawyers do it to me. I got a judge. I literally had to say out of my breath in magistrate's court, Doctor. Because I got called Ms. And I was like, oh. I could just see you sitting there. <laughs> I was feeling. I remember when you said it. <laughs> I said, even in a joking way, I don't think I could ever call you Mrs. or anything don't else. Don't you dare. I know. I know. I don't have the balls for that. I'm pretty brave. You can call me bitch, but don't, don't call me missus. I've called you a lot of things, but I couldn't actually call you that. I wouldn't have the nerve. So, yeah, we've had uh, Dr. Melanie Thompson. Like, share, follow, subscribe, blah, 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 blah. And hopefully your your podcast comes up soon and we can start spruiking that on this as well. Sure. Hold up.